This week on Grape Encounters Radio. A couple of weeks ago, a pilot flying over Paso Robles wine country thought he was seeing things when he spotted a large section of oak woodlands literally clear-cut. Like other places, oak forests are sacred on the central coast of California, and word of the devastated old-growth forest spread like wildfire. Concerned citizens and environmentalists turned to Google Earth for further verification and were horrified to see the huge tract of leveled forest land that had been cleared to make way for more vineyards. Adding insult to injury was the construction of a large water storage pond that many believe would literally dry up the wells of adjacent vintners given the persistent drought conditions in California. The land turned out to be the property of Justin Vineyard, one of the country's top-selling brands, which took a quantum leap in production when it was acquired by the wonderful company of Palm Wonderful Juice, Wonderful Pistachios and Almonds, Fiji Water, and Teleflora fame in 2012. Since the discovery, the company, led by Stuart and Linda Resnick, has taken a beating in the court of public opinion and has been the subject of national news stories that go well beyond the wine industry. We contacted the head of communications for the company and were very pleased that they agreed to grant their first nationally syndicated interview with Grape Encounters Radio. And we are at the Justin Winery and very pleased to have join me today David Riccanati, who is the president of both Justin Vineyards and Fiji Water. Correct. Pleasure to be here, David. And then also with us, the legendary Justin Baldwin, who I have wanted to meet for a really long time. I probably didn't want to have this conversation, but nice to meet you all the same. My pleasure. And then also with us today is Stephen Clark, who is head of communications for the organization. Yep, that's right. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. I preface this conversation by saying that we all know we have a community here that's still in an uproar over what took place here at the Justin Vineyards. But I just simply want to say this as we get into the conversation. You guys have been kind enough to say, David, no holds barred on the questions. There's nothing you know that I can't ask you. I appreciate that. But secondly, I really do believe that there needs to be somewhere down the line a positive outcome because as messed up as this country is right now, all the things that we're dealing with, the last thing we wine lovers need is for there to be bad blood in the family. But the one thing that will never happen, the trees, they ain't coming back. They're gone forever. They will not reappear with the grandeur that they once had in our lifetime. The question is now, where do we go from here and what do we make from that? That's going to be something that we'll get into in a minute because that's how I'd like to finish. But the first thing I want to do is just take it from the beginning. Actually, let's take it sort of from the middle. A letter came out just about a week ago. And it was from the Resnicks. And I frankly was taken aback by the letter because as many mistakes as corporations make, whether intentional or unintentional, I was surprised at the language in the letter and the fact that they seem to take full responsibility and say, we blew it big time. We had our eye off the ball We made a terrible, terrible mistake. We've upset our neighbors. We've alienated the winery in some respects. Lots of language to that effect. And we'll post that letter on GrapeEncounters.com. I think generally there was a big hurrah that went up from people who were so upset by this. But now, you know, the questions that are starting to be asked are, well, how sincere really was the letter? And we're going to get to that. But I want to first just make sure that people understand what the letter is really referring to. We had... 
a significant amount of oak trees that were taken down. Issue number one. Issue number two, a pond that was being developed, a large pond, and claims by the community that that pond would rob a lot of the water underground from other users. The biggest question, the number one question that people ask me is, yes. how did we get there? How, how does that happen? Look, I think, to your point, the letter was very honest and sincere. And what we said is, once we realized some of the things that were taking place on that property, we, the Resnicks, were upset. I think they said in the letter, embarrassed, and wanted to address it immediately. And that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, no, I, and I appreciate that. Who's walking the property? At what point does somebody look at a hillside and say, these oaks are coming down. Let's hire a dozer to take them down. Let's put in a big pond here. At what level? I mean, this is a big corporation, a multi-billion dollar corporation. So I understand there are a lot of levels involved here. Sure. But, But where ultimately are those decisions being made? Who's pulling the trigger? So those decisions, well, like you said, we vest a lot of um, authority in our operations, especially our local operations. And so some of the decisions, as we said in the letter, which were horrible judgments, were made locally. And once we sort of began an internal investigation of the project, we realized, in fact, they were horrible decisions. And our goal was then to move very swiftly to address them. Now, you're based out of Los Angeles. I am, correct. Now, are you here often? Or I'm here two to four times a month. Two to four times a month, okay. And is it your practice to go out and inspect these sites when things are going on? Or I typically this... am not walking sites during okay. development. All right. Okay, and Justin, you're very involved in the brand. You sold the brand to the wonderful company. I did. And, and then how much involvement do you have in the day-to-day, or are you mostly now the brand ambassador? You, you hit it. I'm the brand ambassador. I'm not here that often. I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations. You're not actually out in the vineyards? No, no I'm not. Not no, at I'm all? Not, no. I was taken back, as, as were others, when uh, word of this first came about. I was not actively involved in any way whatsoever, for that matter. But like David said, I re- very much um, welcome the prompt, in my mind, prompt response that our owners took to uh, not only admit that we ha- there was a problem here, but to lay out the broad bones, if you will, of what we're going to do to mitigate and, and change, remediate the, the problem that we uh, found ourselves in. So I, I, I think it's admirable, to put it mildly, that you admit responsibility and then be going beyond that, start a plan to change things back to the way they were before to sway as much as possible people's concern. The concern obviously now is there's a letter out there that goes on the record and says, we're going to stop work on this property. We're going to return things as best as we can. You can't replace the trees, but we're going to return the pond site to normal. And, Correct. And then even donate the land, which is something we'll talk about in a moment. Sure. We're going to do that much. And I don't know what else they'd be willing to do. But the question is, how do we give the public assurances that these things will actually happen? Is it simply a case of the proof is in the pudding? Or is there a better way to make sure that people have a comfort level with the promises made by the residents. Sure. Well, look, I think we do two things. Okay. One is, to your point, it's about actions. 
Absolutely. And so, for example, as you've heard, right, we got an approval from the county on Friday afternoon to begin the first phase of the work on the property. And that work started on Tuesday and will be completed by July 15th. Right. And that is the boundary control program. The second is, is we know part of our responsibility is also reaching out to the community, both the, the media community as well as the local community. So I'm starting to talk to folks in the neighborhood, from community organizations, to get their input and to tell them what we're doing practically so they're aware and they can give us their thoughts and opinions about it. And I will say you folks have been very good about accepting phone calls, reacting very quickly. So I'm really appreciative of the fact that you're doing that. Yeah, we're happy to be here and talk about some of the actions that we're doing going forward and we plan to do. And to add to that, David, I think if you look at the record of the company elsewhere, you'll see that we've put our our money's where our mouth is, if you will. We've actually done the things that we said we were going to do in other communities. And so I think there's a, there's a long history here of the company delivering. It's the first time this has happened, but it's not the first time the company hasn't responded to a need in the community. The blame has been focused very much on you. There are restaurants that are not serving Justin Wines and things of that sort. But, you know, there's been a complete lack of adequate protections for oak forests in this country. And it was only just a matter of years ago that they finally passed legislation down in Santa Barbara County. And even after two measures were on the ballot, it failed the first time. And then it took another four years for it to pass. And this was after Kendall Jackson took down something like 850 oak trees. Mm -hmm. Justin, this is not a new problem in the area. You've been here a long time. I have been. And you're right. It's not a new problem. The early people who settled the area, they took oaks out. We, We know that. That's an absolute fact. So when you get to that tipping point where people realize that we shouldn't be doing this anymore, do you see a particular tipping point in this area? You've been here a long time. I I can't point to a specific date, but I think it's it's a matter of uh, sort of enlightened wisdom that as you go on, you understand a little bit more about the land that you're stewarding for 35 years in my case. You have an appreciation to begin with, with for that land. And as time, as they say, goes on, I think it, it becomes more and more apparent that perhaps legislation is needed, that a more mindful approach to tree removal is something that I think uh, all of us would embrace. We don't have a, a problem with that. that uh, it's nothing that on this specific date with this specific instance was the tipping point. Perhaps this will be the tipping point. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. And I'd say we've decided from a company perspective, while it may be a legal practice, we've decided it's not right for us going forward, period. Excellent. We're talking to David Riccanati. He is the president of Fiji Water and Justin Vineyard and Justin Baldwin. You had to be among the first who really got nationwide distribution of the wines. Correct. And then uh, also sitting here silent at the moment, Stephen Clark. He is the communications director for the wonderful company. That's right. Okay, we're going to be back. We have more tough questions, and then we'll start working towards some solutions. You're listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson coming to you from Justin's Tasting Room in the Paso Robles wine region of the central coast of California. For Grape Encounters listeners who also enjoy our podcast, you probably have noticed that it's not been available on iTunes for the past few weeks. That's because iTunes has adopted more stringent policies that made it necessary for us to make a significant number of changes to our podcast feed. These changes took a lot more time than we had hoped, but we are very pleased to tell you that the work has been completed and all 350-plus past episodes are there for you to download and enjoy. We hope that you'll take the time to subscribe to our podcast 
but also want to remind you that if you ever miss an episode on this station, you can find it at the beginning of the following week at GrapeEncounters.com, the online home of Grape Encounters Radio. There you'll find links to our online store, photos of the folks we interview, links to our favorite content, and a lot more. Grape Encounters is much more than a radio show. It's a lifestyle purely for the love of wine. Visit us at GrapeEncounters.com. Recently, I discovered a winery whose wines literally rock my world. I was so excited about them, I've relentlessly shared them with wine journalists, renowned sommeliers, and of course, wine enthusiasts. Well, it turns out I'm not the only one who thinks they're magical. They're from the beautiful Cardella Winery in Mendota, California, a tremendously fertile Central Valley location not known for fine wine production. Nonetheless, Cardella's remarkable Barbera, Sangiovese, Ruby Cabernet, and other varietals are absolutely world-class. Now, I take the endorsement of wines very seriously, and in seven years, I've endorsed less than five. Every single Cardella wine that I've tasted is a grand slam, home run, and ridiculously inexpensive. Cardella wines are available at their tasting room and online, provided they can be legally shipped to your state. So go to CardellaWinery.com. Buy them, drink them, and share them. Oak tree, where are you today? Oak tree, I need a place to sit. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson. Oak tree, where are you today? Oak tree. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, coming to you from the tasting room at Justin Vineyards. Sitting with me are David Riccanati. He is the president of Justin and Fiji Water. Correct. Is that the biggest water company in the world? No, not at it's all. It's not? Okay, all right. I just wondered. I Thank just, you for thinking that. No, uh, Fiji oh. Water is the largest premium brand here in the United okay, States. Okay, premium brand. But uh, there just, are much larger water companies in the world. Now, speaking of premium brands, the namesake of Justin, Justin Baldwin is here, founded this winery in 1981, right? That's correct. How yeah. many wineries here back in 81? Just a handful, maybe half a dozen. Half a dozen. That's it. Wow. How many in the entire country? All North America, 200. Wow. Today, 11,000. 11,000. And then Stephen Clark is here. And Stephen, we didn't get to talk to you too much in the first segment. But since this story broke about the denuding of the land or, you know, taking down this oak forest, how many calls have you gotten? What's been been going on? We've gotten quite a few press calls, um, you know, calls from some locals and and others. And... um, you know, we, we really, in this process, just want folks to understand that um, we recognize that, you know, what happened was wrong and we're sorry for, you know, what took place. But more importantly, you know, we're trying to turn things around and do the right thing and, you know, work with potential nonprofit partners, work with the neighbors, work with the media to, you know, really have a more active voice and presence in the community. And, uh, you know, we hope folks will give us a chance to, you know, prove that we're going to do the right thing here. How many times have you gotten an earful? I have actually haven't gotten too many earfuls. Have people been generally polite yeah, they, to you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, some of, the, some of the language out there, David is not polite, and I prefer to never go to that place. Mm. But uh, you know, there are 
plenty of negative stories that have been written about the wonderful company and the Resnicks, stories about things like, and I'm just using a term that people use, water grabbing, and basically the Resnicks getting what they want when they want it. And it's relevant only in the sense that there is that issue of trust. And I guess when you're as big a company as the wonderful company, there's going to be a lot written about you. And some will be true, some will be false. But what do you say to those people who go online and they find stories and they see that the company in the past has been accused of things, and in some cases things that are not ecologically friendly things? Your thoughts? Look, I mean, I can really speak to the wine business. I think the broader okay. company is is probably something that I really don't speak much about because I'm really so you're not involved on, in the pistachios or no. I'm uh, I'm very focused on as you said okay. the the water our our premium water business and our wine business. Okay. Um, and, people have asked me about water here today in Paso Robles, and what I've shared with people is water to us. Any water we have on a vineyard is for the express purposes of that vineyard. Period. So that's what we do. We use water. We use them on our vineyards. So the accusation is that you were drilling a well or wells that would deplete water from other users, people who share the same aquifer, uh, that are neighbors and potentially dry up their own wells. Was that a possibility? Look, I think there's a lot we don't know about the aquifer and groundwater here in Paso Robos. Our commitment to how we farm and we do this on our existing vineyards, is we care as much about water as everybody. We absolutely do. Had you ever been contacted by any of the neighbor, you personally, or somebody you know, at a high level like you, had you ever been contacted by anybody, neighbors, saying, wait a second, you can't do this because this is what's going to happen to us? No, I have not been contacted by the neighbors okay. associated with this property. And I will tell you, and, and, and like I was sharing, we, like many others here, we take a very parsimonious approach to farming and water. So specifically, we do use micro drip irrigation because we think that's the best way to establish a vineyard. And then after a third or fourth leaf, our aspiration is to get as close to dry farming as possible. We think not only is it a good use of water, but I think it's good for the grape and for the kind of wines we produce. Why bring the water above ground where on a 100 degree day, you're going to lose a whole bunch of water? Yeah, the practice of using a pond is also to ensure that you're not pulling on your wells during the hottest times. So there is a balance, and, and, and I agree, you have to balance sort of the trade-off of not pulling wells hard during hot times with the possibility that you will lose some water to evaporation. And I will tell you, just on, in terms of the property as well, the second part of a remediation effort will be to eliminate that pond. If somebody had come to you six months ago and said, we intend to drill a well and store groundwater in a pond, would you have approved that? I'm not sure I follow the question. I'm sorry. Mike, well, I guess the first question should be, were you aware that the pond was being built? Yes, we, we do use ponds as part of our vineyard program. Okay, so it, it had your approval? The, the uh, I understood that we would be using a pond, yes. Yeah. Why, just out of curiosity, is there not an environmental impact study necessary, and, and I'm just asking this because, you know, you're in the farming business and I'm not, but why is there not an environmental impact study required for that, particularly now when we're in such severe drought conditions? 
Uh, you have to go on a county-by-county basis. Sonoma, for ex- example, would require uh, an environmental impact study done. Uh, there is no requirement as of right now in this county for that. So why is there not? Um, that's another question, but there is not one. To your knowledge, does the wonderful company ever commission studies even when they're not required? Again, I can't really speak to the wonderful company, but we commission any work that we think is required for any project we do. Okay, if it's required. Okay. Less than a year ago, Justin was named by Wine Enthusiast as Winery of the Year. Correct. Would Justin be named Winery of the Year now if this story were out on the table? Would they still make that decision? I think you'd have to ask them. Um, okay. I mean, I think they made the decision based on a lot of things we do at Justin. Yeah. That includes the hospitality we provide to our guests through our tasting room and our restaurant, through our commitment to Paso Robles, to spreading the word about Paso Robles and the growth of Justin brand around the country. And as Justin said, around the world. So I, I pulled out the story that they did on uh, Winery of the Year. And interestingly enough, there is no reference to any of the things that we talk about so much now, like sustainability, biodynamics, you know, those sorts of things, not even mentioned in the Which are story. practices we use in our vineyards. Yeah. Uh, but those things are reflected in the quality of the wine. And that quality of the wine, the consistency of the quality of the wine, is one of the determining factors for Winery of the Year. Got it. So, All right, so we're going to have to take a real quick break here. Sure. We're, I'm sitting here with David Riccinati, Justin Baldwin, and Stephen Clark, respectively the president of Fiji Water and Justin Wines. I guess Justin doesn't really need any introduction because everybody, at least around here, knows him. What's it like having your name on the bottle? <laughs> uh, it's a long story. Uh, <laughs> all right. No, it's great. Very prideful. And then Stephen Clark, who's the communications director for the wonderful company. And we'll be back and start moving in a constructive direction now as we continue our discussion from the Justin Winery in the Paso Rebels Wine region of California. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin wine access system costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at grapeencounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. Living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of California. Grape Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street, the historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. 
The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at GrapeEncounters.com. And now, transmitting our signal to wine lovers of the world from our Atascadero Wine Cellar Studio in the heart of the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. They cut down the trees As far as you can We are back with Grape Encounters Radio talking to David Riccanati, Justin Baldwin, and Stephen Clark at the Justin Winery talking about an issue that really hit them in the forehead. And it's been a day of talking to local media, and I think I'm the first national broadcast that you've talked to. That's correct. I appreciate that. It's nice to be able to share the story and at least offer some clarification. The parties that were responsible for making the decisions that led to where we are now, and I'm talking about not the reparations, but just before that, how have they taken responsibility or how have you handled that? Well, we've been conducting an internal investigation on the whole project. So in any employee matters, we really don't discuss. Uh, On a scale from one to 10, how big a blow it was it for the company? (laughs) It was pretty serious. A 10? Well, I don't know if it's a 10, but I think it's pretty serious. Somebody's got to die for it to be a 10, I guess. But Yeah, no one died. Okay, no That's one right. Died. All right, let's move forward. Let's talk about where we go from here. Because sure. we can beat this dead horse all day long. And I do appreciate the, the candid responses that you've given me. So I talked to you earlier about the idea of how do we monitor your heaping of those promises sure. or those commitments that were made by the Resnicks. How will that work? And, and maybe this is also a question for you, Stephen, because you're the guy that's communicating with the media and the public. What do you intend to do from here on out to keep the public feeling confident that Justin is going to behave like the Justin everybody knew and loved? I think one of the uh, big elements of you know where we were maybe falling short in the past uh, was just our you know our 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 communication and open dialogue with the neighbors, with the community, with the media, and that is something that we really want to and are um, you know committed to changing. And you know we we've started today with you know uh, a day of of, uh, of press interviews and meetings, and we've been meeting like I said before with a lot of our nonprofit partners, with neighbors, with community members, and I think just having a face to the organization, having a an active presence in the community, um, is going to be an important important part of uh, you know of who we are moving forward. Is that something that was lost when the company was sold? going to a much bigger corporation. You know, people in this community are out at social functions. You see everybody everywhere. Sure. You know that. Was a piece of that lost? I think, look, Justin Baldwin, we we owe him great thanks for what he's done in the community here. And since he's been in his sort of ambassador role outside the community, I think we've lost a little of that. 
Uh, I will say that we have 110 employees here in the community who are every day out interacting with friends fair, and fair enough, yeah. uh, talking about what we do here at the winery. But yeah, I think we, we miss the presence of someone like Justin Baldwin here in the community. And that's something that we need to work on. Okay. And I think we've also, you know, we, we have done work philanthropically in, in the area. Uh, we have a program uh, called Justin Giving, uh, which is part of the wonderful company's giving program, where uh, every year the company gives each employee $1,000 to give to a nonprofit of their choice. Um, you know, over the last few years, we've given three hundred and seventy-five thousand uh, dollars, you know, of of company money to uh, one hundred and thirty-one different Paso Robles local nonprofits. Um, but there's a lot more that we want to do, and you know, we want to enhance our you know uh, our our uh, grant program, uh, and and also, like I said before, just be more involved in local community events. Uh, from big to small, where you know we want Justin to have a face in the community and become a more vital participant in community events and affairs. In the grand scheme of things, how important is the Justin label to the rest of the wonderful company? Is it as important as Palm, as important as Fiji? Yeah, I think all of our brands are very important, and doing the right things for our brands is is equally important. So everything we're talking about today, about what we're doing going forward, I think is a very important part of who we are. Okay, let's talk about going forward. You yeah. have made a commitment to donate the land. Yes. And it's a little unclear what that might be and, and how that might look. And before you even answer that, sure, was there a conversation between any of you and the Resnicks? And did that come up as a possibility? Who suggested? Where did that idea come from of donating the land? Yeah, I think that came out of our conversations. And that is one of our commitments. We've made multiple commitments. We've committed to doing work on the property itself, which, as I said, has already started. So returning it to an acceptable condition. Absolutely. And there's a lot of work we're going to do. Um, How long do you think that that will take? Well, certainly the first two phases of the work, uh, our goal is to be done by early October, middle of October, and that's to address any concerns our neighbors might have about erosion. Erosion's the big issue right now. Yeah, I think that's what we want to work on right now. Um, Again, as I told you, possibly if there's rain in the next two weeks, we want to be ready. And then obviously preparing for winter, when we do get some rain here on the west side, is to have the property in a state so there shouldn't be any erosion concerns for our neighbors. Yeah, if there's rain in the next two weeks, I think nobody's going to be worrying about erosion too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are a psychic. Everyone yeah. has said to me, please, can you make that happen? And I said, I, I don't think I can do that. Yeah. Um, but yes, then we are actively looking at different opportunities for donating the property. And our goal there is really two different things, preservation of the property and education. So a group like Cal Poly, for instance... Would they be a candidate? I think any group that's in the area that might be interested in, in being a part of the property and could use it for educational purposes, I think that'd be great. How will you make the decision? I, I think we have to look at all our options and, and really try and view and talk to members of the community as to what would be kind of the best use for the property that would serve the most need. So would you entertain people sending suggestions to you for you know, possible ideas for the use of the property, or does that just involve way too many people into the process? Uh, look, I've gotten plenty already. So okay, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think I would, uh, we would welcome hearing what people think uh, we uh, should do with the property. It ha- it, I think it has to be a very thoughtful process. What would you do, Justin? 
Well, I, I agree. We definitely welcome uh, the community uh, input, without a doubt. In terms of the specific outcome of the land, no, it's a little early for us to come to any final conclusion on that. But all options are open. Um, we're very serious about mitigating initially any concerns that neighbors would have, specifically with respect to erosion. But um, the, the, the options are many and varied, and we're going to consider them all and want make the one that makes the best sense for everybody concerned. Yeah. Now, there was some talk about the land being donated to the county. Do I have that wrong? I, I think there's been some discussion okay. about it, yeah. um, but it's nothing that we've actively started a process on. Okay. So you've actually begun the process, at Correct. least casually right now. At what point do you sit down in earnest and say, all right, let's really vet out some candidates and let's make a decision? I think we need a little time. As someone said to me today, you know, working with nonprofits takes a little time. Yeah. And I've been actually encouraged by many people in the area to be thoughtful and really spend the effort to hear out people, look at different opportunities before we make a decision. So we're trying to do a lot of things in parallel, David. Um, As we said, the work on the property, starting to see what the opportunities are for donation. And so we want to run that very thoughtfully. Okay, so the, the property gets groomed up as best as it can by October. Certainly in October, terms of the, er, the, the erosion part the, of it. The erosion part of it, that's uh, right. Uh, then would it be fair to say that certainly by this time next year, a decision could be made about where the property is going to go? I would think so, for sure, yeah. yeah just trying to put tr- just trying to no, no, I a, time, a timetable on no, it. No, I, I totally again. understand that. And yeah. actually, we really aren't trying to be elusive. We're, what we're trying to be is thoughtful. I didn't feel you were. If we set a timetable that yes. people can wrap their arms around, then they're not going to be asking every other day. <laughs> that's you know, true. You know? and, Good point. And in all fairness. I think that's a very fair point. And, and in all fairness, these are decisions that do take time. Yep. Nobody out there who eventually is going to own this land knows they're going to own it at this point, or even what they're going to do with it. Right. And it is a relatively large parcel of land. Has anybody come to you? You don't have to name names, but has anybody come to you already and said, hey, look at me, look at me. How about us? Yes. Okay. I'm not going to ask a question beyond that, because I know that's one I'm not going to get an answer to. Correct. Just to respect people, to respect people's own privacy. All right. Okay. We've got one uh, short segment left. So if you guys will stay with me, I have my most important question I want to ask you. It's a question that nobody's asked me to ask you. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're going to wrap it up here and uh, very appreciative of David Riccanati, Justin Baldwin and Stephen Clark joining me from the Justin Vineyards to talk very candidly about an issue that has received tremendous scorn from the community, but Justin doing everything that they can at this point, uh, at least promising to do that. And in my book, we give you the opportunity to do that, you know, because you don't, you. you don't, you don't fail until you fail. And so far, you're doing Thank everything you. you said that you, you would do. That's, uh, you're not going to be forgiven anytime soon, but you don't fail. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Thank you. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero. 
the gateway to good times at visitatascadero.com. For years, I've seen to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. For Grape Encounters listeners who also enjoy our podcast, you probably have noticed that it's not been available on iTunes for the past few weeks. That's because iTunes has adopted more stringent policies that made it necessary for us to make a significant number of changes to our podcast feed. These changes took a lot more time than we had hoped, but we are very pleased to tell you that the work has been completed and all 350-plus past episodes are there for you to download and enjoy. We hope that you'll take the time to subscribe to our podcast, but also want to remind you that if you ever miss an episode on this station, you can find it at the beginning of the following week at GrapeEncounters.com, the online home of Grape Encounters Radio. There you'll find links to our online store, photos of the folks we interview, links to our favorite content, and a lot more. Grape Encounters is much more than a radio show. It's a lifestyle purely for the love of wine. Visit us at GrapeEncounters.com. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. back with Grape Encounters Radio, and my dear friend Mike Gergich has said to me probably ten times, it's his favorite saying, drink wine, not water. Because water separates continents, and wine brings people together. Which, by the way, is why you might see some pictures of me doing this interview with a glass of wine. But I do want to get back to what is most important here on the Central Coast, which is to have great winemakers make great wine. And I've not forgotten the Justin of many years ago that helped to lead the charge to help put Paso Robles on the map and the Central Coast on the map. And if I had one wish, I'd click my heels together and I'd say, let's go back to there and let's start this thing over again. You guys would start over again on this, certainly, if you could. You can't. So I got a question for you. I like to think that to every issue, there must be some kind of a silver lining, And let's not sugarcoat the fact that people are going to be mad for a long time about the oak trees being taken out. They were mad when Kendall Jackson did it down in Santa Barbara, took out what amounts to, I think, about the same number. I hear estimates all over the board, but a lot. And Kendall Jackson today, one of the most beloved brands out there. You're one of the most popular brands out there. I don't think anybody remembers that episode. And I'd certainly love to see our community get beyond it because we have you know, other things to worry about. But if there's a silver lining, it might be that we enact legislation, final legislation here in the state, here in this region, just to once and for all say, no, we're just not going to do that. Then it never becomes a question anymore, right, for any of the winemakers. Mm-hmm. Would you support that? Look, I, I think as we've said before, we have to see what kind of legislation the, the county puts forward and that there is some opportunity for the community, both the community and the winemaking community, to kind of have input into it. I know for us, on a go-forward basis, we're reviewing all our business practices. 
And when it comes to trees, that is not something we are participating in, the removal of trees going forward for us as a company. So would you say, though, based on your experience here, would you be willing to say you would support having clearer definition of rules when it comes to tree removal so that it isn't even a question anymore. It doesn't become a subjective decision. It's just, we don't do it. Yeah, I think that's... Would you go there? I think that's logical to say legislation that takes into account the needs of individuals, of growers, of wineries, and sets some clear guidelines. I think that could be helpful. Justin? Well, I think that's what we're saying. We're saying we would support it. So it it wouldn't affect us because we believe that we don't need to do that anymore. And we have no here, here, comes the, here comes the question. Yeah. Oh, you guys are going to hate me for this. Would you write a check to support it? <laughs> I think we'd have to see what, what legislation is and what other people in the wine community. Again, we are an we are important brand here in, in Paso Robles, and we're proud of that. And there's a lot of other wineries here in Paso. And I think... It should be about what lots of other folks have to say in terms of legislation. I haven't started a nonprofit or anything, guys, so I, <laughs> I, but I'm just curious, you know, if it's something that you have come to believe because of this dreadful experience that you've been embroiled in, then, you know, maybe why not climb on board and say, you know what, we had this bad experience, we blew it, it was a, a nine, if somebody died, it would have it been a 10, but we totally blew it, let's make sure in the bigger picture that... It doesn't happen elsewhere. Let's be part of the solution instead of remembered as part of the problem. Thoughts? Well, no, I think that, you know, in terms of writing checks, I think that we are going to be, you know, we are evaluating right now some pretty meaningful uh, conservation projects here in the area that we're excited about. And I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, they're impactful. And I think the, the, the folks here in uh, Paso Robles and the North County area are going to hopefully respond favorably. And, and that's where we're putting our efforts and our resources right now. Um, and, you know, we look forward to talking more about that in the future. Nobody uh, sent me here to solicit from you, by the way. And I hate asking for money. But it, it seemed to me like you're in the news. You have a lot of clout. You're a huge brand. And you made a huge mistake. You know, maybe the solution is to join forces with others who see that we need to steer this ship in a different direction. I don't mean the Justin ship. I mean the winemaking ship, the agriculture ship in general. So it seemed to me like it might be a good suggestion. See, I got an idea. You know how on the Just Know, they they made those green triangles, you know, which is very symbolic. Maybe you could have a Justin green wine, you know, a green triangle. And then, you know, $2 from every bottle goes to help conservation. It's an interesting idea. I I think we, we don't have to wait for making wine to Stephen's point, to know that we're going to deploy resources in the community on the topic of conservation. And I say that with with quite earnest. Okay. And this falls back into your question earlier. Will we accept uh, input from the community? Yes. That's another idea. So you like my my green uh, triangle idea? Certainly. (laughs) We'll put it on the list list. of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) You're not calling security on me. (laughs) All right. Hey, guys, you know what? I really... (laughs) I had to throw that in. I mean, just think about turning lemons into lemonade. You know, that would be uh, that'd be, a, that'd be a super nice gesture. You know, understood. Like, you know, we remember 
2016. Anyway, I appreciate you guys being here. Thank you very much. You've been, I think, very candid with me, and I, you know, I look forward to seeing how you implement. I'm certainly going to be checking in with you guys on a regular basis and asking how it's going. I've tried to keep, hopefully, a very decent and honorable tone with you, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I have my own feelings about all this. I wish it had never happened because we got, like I said, too many things to worry about besides this, but I hope it has a happy ending. You guys are the ones who ultimately are going to make it a happy ending. And just kind of food for thought, back in 1916, which was not all that long ago, is when the U.S. Congress created the National Park Service. The Nature Conservancy started in 1951. National Wildlife Refuge Act wasn't until 1966. Earth Day wasn't founded until 1970. And then as you go forward, things accelerate very fast in terms of taking care of the Earth. So we're really in that pattern, hyperspace, moving toward all of these environmental goals. So, you know, we probably have turned a corner, and I hope you guys will choose to be a, a huge part of that. Well, we know we, we've got a lot of good things in front of us to do. Is there an update where people can find more information about the progress on this? Is that something that you are thinking about posting? And I think it's just a matter of staying tuned. We, are certainly, we certainly intend to keep, you know, like I said, neighbors and you know, local media apprised you know, of you know, updates along the way. Okay. So definitely look for that. Okay, very good. Well, listen, thank you very much. David Riccinati, president of Fiji Water, which has always been my favorite water, by the way. Glad to hear that. Um, Thank you, David. Luxury brand, Justin Baldwin. So nice to meet you. My pleasure. And then, uh, Stephen, a special thank you to you for setting up this interview and giving me this much time. I, I really, truly do appreciate it. You didn't have to do it. No problem. Hope it's the first of many. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition. 